everybody. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Andy Martinez here, joined by Taylor McGregor. Taylor, thank you for joining me. And we're, I forgot to mention, we're in beautiful Milwaukee, American Family Fields. I got to make sure I got that right. <laughs> Yeah, it, beautiful Milwaukee, but um, the roof is closed because it was a torrential downpour getting to the field today. Yeah, it was it was insane monsoon-like weather. It's it crazy. was super super crazy weather, and as you mentioned, the roof was closed. That was something that on Tuesday we're recording Wednesday before Wednesday night's game. Tuesday that was a big issue for David Ross and the Cubs. The the roof closing in the middle of the game. Yeah, that was weird, and I don't really know what to make of it because I don't think anybody in that dugout is sitting over there sure. like, oh, let's freak them out by halfway closing the roof. But I understand the frustrations. You know, it's yeah. the middle of it at bat, and you can see the shadows moving, and so that's just something um, nobody wants to deal with, and I, and I got an accumulation of things adding up yeah. to, to the frustration and what we heard David Ross say. And that was a crazy win for the Cubs yesterday, just given the circumstances. They're up. Then they kind of blow the lead, and the Brewers had plenty of opportunities to win that game. And just given how the season went, at least for me, and I may, I'll defer to you a little bit, but it felt like that was a game that they would they were going to lose, that they had lost previous times in the season. That's just kind of how it felt yesterday. Yeah, and I think the weird part about yesterday is, well, I don't know if weird's the word, but it was the part about yesterday where early on you thought, okay, this is going to be a game that they finally win. You know, they right. get up early, and then all of a sudden here comes Milwaukee, and then it was a little bit of back and forth, and then all of a sudden you're in extra innings. And that's been the frustrating part is there's games like what happened on Monday where you're up 6 nothing, and then right. you lose that game. And that was a game for 80% of the time you felt like you were going to win. They end up losing, and that's just the stuff that – adds up and um, I think it was really good for the Cubs to get that W yesterday right and, and even if you go back to Sunday right where they come back in the ninth inning against Class A and they have opportunities to win and they just frankly don't win it that was a big win and you you could feel it talking to the guys after the game but one of the big stories from yesterday's game was Daniel Palencia right the, the the rookie making his debut in the highest leverage of situations and he kind of put himself on the radar immediately from the jump, right? Yeah, it was really cool to see him come in in that high leverage spot, and it didn't feel like the moment was too big for him because mm -hmm. I think any debut, a guy's nervous, and you don't really know what to expect, but to be put in that situation in this time of the season where, again, it feels like you have to win these games, yeah. I mean, that was about as big of a situation as there's been all season, and he came out there, and he had a steady heartbeat, and uh, the triple digits certainly helped, but yeah. it, w it was awesome to see. And the defense behind him was fantastic, right? I did not to take away credit from them, because Ian Happ was great, Miguel Amaya was great. I guess besides Palencia, what was your... What was your key moment from that game, or what was the, the play that you look back on in that in that game? I, I think in the bottom of the 10th, a play from Hap um, at the plate, and then when, when Amaya then went to second and got Owen Miller, it yeah. felt like, okay, Cubs finally had momentum again because that could have been the, the end of the game right there. Yeah. And then obviously the play that ended it with, with Hap again out there in the outfield and, and getting the runner at home, amazing defense wins games, and that was just proof of it yesterday. Do you think this is the kind of win that can kind of springboard? We know where they're at in the season. We know where they're at in the standings. You, you know everything about the team if you've been following this team. that you know They're, they're kind of within striking range. They're, they're a little bit under 500. How big can that win be going forward? We'll see, right? Yeah. But I think it's always one of those wins that guys point to in the moment and say, yes, this is something you can build upon, but we'll have to see that the way that they actually do end up doing that. I think, if anything, it's a confidence builder of, hey, you know, we've been in these close games, we've been in extra innings, and maybe we've lost some 
however many times in a row, but to finally get that, it gets your confidence back. Like, no, we can win these games and we should win these games. And this is a big series, right? Where they're playing the Brewers who are, were in first place, are in second place after the loss and behind the Reds who are kind of a little upstart. And I know Tony and I have talked about on previous podcasts that it's curious to see how their starting pitching holds up the rest of the way. But mm-hmm. Milwaukee seems like the clear target in this division that if you're able to win the next two, if you're able to, to, to go three and one in this series and then have a good series in New York, the schedule kind of turns in their favor, mm-hmm. right? The rest of July, they don't play a team. The only team right now that has a 500 record is the Red Sox. After that, they play the Cardinals, the Nationals, the White Sox, the Cardinals again. Like, it's a very favorable schedule where if you can kind of finish this thing right before the All-Star break, things can kind of turn around. Yeah, and I think we always talk about meaningful games in September, and I think the biggest part is you want to be competitive. Obviously, the trade deadline, you know, people talk about that, but if you can be competitive July, August, and then get on a roll in September, like, that's exactly what you want to do. And to your point, I think the schedule allows this team to do that is stay in the mix through July through August and then really try to build your way up to to getting on a hot stretch in September so I think the schedule is certainly something to point out and hopefully it works out for the Cubs yeah and 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 it's interesting that you mentioned that because one thing that Jed Hoyer mentioned he spoke with with some of the writers on on uh, Tuesday before the game in Milwaukee that you know they, they they're trying to figure out how how do they get over those those I guess flukiness, right? Because they they've had their highs and they've been really really good in those highs where they beat the Dodgers mm-hmm. or they they beat the Brewers, they beat these good teams, and then their lows are very very low, right? You think about the game in Houston, the game on the the opening game here, or the series in Miami or Washington. You can go on and on with some of these highs and lows. The the issue right now is trying to figure out how they can perform better in these high leverage situations, and and that's kind of the conundrum they're in. Is it? an issue that uh, I know we see a lot of things on Twitter like is it David Ross's fault David Ross isn't the one out there pitching David Ross isn't the one out there in these timely hits it's just a lot of flukiness right now yeah it's totally weird and and I was looking at some stats because you know ultimately baseball's played over 162 game season and you look at the culmination of a body of work to determine how good a team is right now Chicago leads Milwaukee and runs per game home runs per game on base percentage slugging percentage team ERA, starting pitching ERA, and relief pitcher, or sorry, they're behind in relief pitcher ERA. So basically every category but one, right. they're beating the Brewers, yet the Brewers are the first team, or second I think now with the Reds, but they're at the top of the National League Central, and that doesn't make sense. Like how can the Cubs be better than the Brewers in a lot of these categories, but then when you look at the body of work, they're losing in terms of record so I think that's one of those things that you just hope over 162 games it changes and maybe that comes with the next month when the Cubs do have a favorable schedule and right. and you're able to stack up some wins but baseball's a fluky sport and, and yeah. I think everybody goes through a little bit of highs and lows but hopefully for the Cubs it, it starts to turn a little bit more their way and there's one thing that Jed Hoyer mentioned earlier in the season that like usually throughout the course of 162 in one run games in close ball games you're gonna finish somewhere around 500 right like the 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 definition of a good team is whether how they do in blowing teams out right like if games decided by six or more runs usually good teams are have a better record than that in those types of games the Cubs in one and two run ball games after yesterday's win are 11 and 21 which is just crazy like you think about it if you yeah. sli- if you if you're 500 in that situation the Cubs are right near 500 and mm-hmm. right in the talk the, like the thick of the division race there's just a lot of flukiness that goes in it. They're the only team in the division with a positive run differential. Like, everything should say that the Cubs are better than this, and I do think that they're better than this. I think it's just been a, a run of crummy luck, and unfortunately, like, the, 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 the bad thing is is 
the trade deadline is right around the corner that at some point like it's it's bad luck or not like it's 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 a deadline and and you have to come to those deadlines and imagine being jed hoyer and having to make those decisions yeah. not really knowing what you have you know right you, you hope over the course of a season or the co- course of a half of a season the record kind of shows the type of team you are and certainly right now the record is not favorable but again like some of the stats they're better than their record shows and so is it one of those things where you know it, the tables will turn hopefully you, right. you hope so but you just never know Base, baseball is a weird sport yeah and it, it's it, it's a totally weird sport in the sense that like the, the cubs were also built on p- pitching and defense right like pitching and defense and you think about pitching and defense like usually that means you're going to be good in one run games you're going to be good in close ball games and when the cubs are scoring one or two runs they're like eight and 26 i believe i'd have to double check the record but they were really really weak in that department and then when they're scoring five or six runs they also are under 500 in those games and it's like if you're built on pitching and defense and you're scoring a lot of mm-hmm. runs and you're not winning those games that's not those two things aren't adding up so it, it's you got to think at some point the the positive regression is going to come right like eventually things are going to start going their way but at the same time things are kind of the clock is kind of ticking you're if you're a cubs fan you're hope, hopeful that it starts ticking really, really soon because as Judge Horace mentioned, like he wants to be a buyer. He's sick of selling at the yeah. deadline. Like he does not want to do that. And the way to do that is start getting these wins and, and accumulating more and more wins. And you know, Tuesday uh, Tuesday night's game is the, the first sign that hey, maybe you can go on that kind of run. Yeah, and I think the good thing and, and the positive thing that everybody should look to is that they play in the National League Central and right. there's nobody in the division who's really running away with it. And right. Everybody, I think, within the division kind of feels like they're one hot stretch away from being right back in the driver's right. seat. And the Cubs certainly are in the mix and, and one of those teams. And like I mentioned, the the numbers where they're better than a lot of these teams and runs per game. Starting pitching has been really solid. And so if they can just continually ride that momentum, hopefully some of the W's start to fall their way. Two things on, on that point. You mentioned starting pitching the last two games of the series. I don't think the Cubs could draw it up any better, right? Justin Steele and then Marcus Stroman, you're – Mm-hmm. Your two best guys, two of the best pitchers in baseball, frankly, just given on ERA and how they pitched the season. You win those two games, you go into New York with a ton of confidence that, hey, you, you, you might start building something. And you mentioned runs. Cincinnati's in first place right now. About a month ago, no one was thinking about Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and they go on a crazy run that that's all it takes in this division, to your point. All it takes is one good run, string together five, six wins, maybe go eight and two or something like that, and, and you're right back in the thick of things. Yeah, it's crazy. Cincinnati's is a great story, you know, and certainly not if you're a Cub fan, but <laughs> man, for them, I mean, they're an entirely different team from the team we saw early April to the team we saw about a month ago. I mean, they're stealing bases. They have so many guys called up now, obviously, Ellie De La Cruz at the top of the list, but they're an interesting piece to me in the NL Central. Yeah. I think their offense is really good. I think if they can add maybe one starter, like, they're scary. But again, I, I don't think the Cubs are too far off from being able to compete with right. that if, if they if they can just start stringing together some wins. Yeah, and it's, to me it's it's no different than, like, if you look at Miami, Miami's got a really good record, but I don't think they're that much better than the Cubs statistically on paper. Mm-hmm. They've just gotten some, some of those lucky breaks, right? Like, they're really good in one-run games. And, and that kind of translates to their record. But well, the, for the at, the at the end of the day, like we mentioned, for the Cubs, it's just a matter of, like, they, they're, they're going to have to go on this run. They're going to have to have these wins because at the end of the day, as Jed Hoyer mentioned, you don't get banners for underlying numbers. Like, you only get banners for real records. And, and, and right now the Cubs' real record is not reflective of who they think they are. So it'll be interesting to see. There was a lot of roster moves um, on, on, on Tuesday. We mentioned uh, we mentioned Daniel Palencia coming up, but Hayden Wesneski gets sent down. So – 
why he's looked good in the bullpen. So I guess Taylor, why what's what's the plan with him? Why why send him down now? Yeah, I think it makes sense if if I'm honest because of some of the struggles you've seen out of Drew Smiley, Jamison Tyone. Going down to AAA will allow Hayden to stretch out and, and be another starting option for the Cubs because, you know, again, you need to start stacking together wins, and yeah. you can't do so if your starters aren't giving you a chance. And, and unfortunately, as of late, Smiley and Tyone, it's been tough. So maybe Hayden can go down, and, and they can add in some spot starts, and then who knows, maybe he's mixed right back into the division because at the end of the day, you want the best pitching available. Yeah. And, and he showed that he had, you know, had success out of the bullpen, and if he can prove that he can be successful as starting rotation, why not? Yeah, and he looked good in the second half when he got called up last year that you think about if he can go down, get stretched out, can kind of mix in this rotation. And if, if all things go well and Drew Smiley and Jameson Tyone can turn around, like that's another good option. And frankly, the way the bullpen's built right now, like we talked about all season, like who's the back end of the Cubs bullpen? And, and up until June, you didn't really have that. And now in June, you kind of have Merriweather, Leiter, Fulmer, and, and, and Alzali. And Assad has been the kind of their long guy that they don't necessarily need to carry the two long guys. So it's kind of redundancy. When things weren't going well, you needed Wesneski to cover those three, four innings that at the back end of games. And, and frankly, you just don't need that. And, and Jed Hoyer mentioned, too, he's just not pitching enough. So now being able to get under a regular five-day five rotation, I think will be beneficial for him and for the Cubs in the long term. I mean, we saw what it meant, did for Justin Seal, who is now an all-star. Yeah, no doubt. I think they've had a lot of success. I mean, Keegan Thompson has another year that the Cubs would have hoped this year, but last year he was a big part of the bullpen and it kind of all started going to the bullpen then being a starter and then going back to the bullpen. So uh, again, this game's always going to revolve around pitching. And so if the Cubs can put together the best pitching staff available to the squad, W's to start stacking up. At least that's the hope. Yeah. Uh, the all-star breaks right around the corner. Justin Seale mentioned it. He's, he's an all-star. Marcus Stroman's also an all-star. Uh, Dansby Swanson's also an all-star in the week in Seattle. Those three guys will be representing the Cubs. I guess what are you most looking forward to us seeing at the All-Star game from, from any of those three guys? Well, I think Justin for sure is at the top of the list because it's his first All-Star game. And yeah. if he were to get the nod to start, I mean, how cool. That's yeah. a moment he'll never forget. Um, and being able to share it with Libby and Bo, I'm, I'm sure is going to be amazing. So watching that from afar is something that I'm certainly looking forward to. And then, look, Marcus Stroman and Dansby Swanson have worked really, really hard. And mm -hmm. it's cool to see three Cubs representing um, the team in the All-Star game because in the initial ballot, there was only one team from um, each team in the Central. You know, since then, some names added David Bednar uh, with the Pirates and, and I'm sure maybe some others coming up but I just think it's really really special for all of those guys and I I think it's also just the human element of yeah. realizing like this is this, these guys dreams and so watching that from afar is pretty cool yeah and it's a testament to the Cubs too right like Justin Steele is this, this guy who's drafted come through the system went Tommy John like had every obstacle imaginable come his way and then he's he comes up and becomes good relief pitcher good starter and as now I mean realistically him and Stroman are with Kershaw backing out I mean, they're the two front runners to be the starters for the National League Central, which I don't think if you said that a year ago, you would have you, you would have thought you were crazy if you, if you said that. I know. It's it's cool. And, like, to your point, I think one of the most rewarding things from every guy in the clubhouse, especially in terms of coaches and the front office, is the fact that Justin is homegrown. And right. for so long, the narrative has been Cubs can't develop their own uh, pitching and their own starting pitching for sure. And so uh, that, that's just kind of a cool feather in everybody's cap that Justin is sort of wearing for – everybody in the organization. Yeah, it'll be cool to see Justin Steele, especially, maybe we mentioned Marcus Stroman, Dansby Swanson, they've been there, they, they've experienced that, but to see Justin Steele go up against Shohei Otani, potentially if yeah. he's healthy, go up against some of these these big name guys in the lineup, I think it'll be really cool for him. And I'm 
excited for him too to be able to pick other guys' brains. I know yeah. he mentioned Kershaw, you know, wanting to pick, pick or pick Kershaw's brain. So um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But um, unless he's still attending, yeah, maybe he could. He could still go right. Okay, like, maybe yeah. he, I don't know the answer to that. But you know, hopefully, he is still going to attend and and still will get to pick his brain. But um, I just think it's really cool to be able to be around the great ones in this game and spend time and. Hopefully he'll come back with some more knowledge. Taylor, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, Tony sat down with a little famous baseball movie, Rookie of the Year, <laughs> Thomas Ian Nicholas. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Maybe once or twice. Yeah, so Tony got a chance to chat with him. We'll hear from more from him after a word from our sponsors. You've got the jersey, the ball cap, the foam finger. Everyone can see you're a Chicago Cubs fan from a mile away. Ready to take your look to the next level? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a Wintrust Cubs checking account. With no monthly fees, free ATMs nationwide, and a $300 bonus when you open your account. Start showing your Cubs pride with every purchase. Sign up at Wintrust.com Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. All right, welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast. I'm Tony Andraki here, joined by Thomas Ian Nicholas, better known around these parts as Henry Rowan Gardner. I believe it's actor. pronounced Han Henry Row Rowan and Gar Gardner. How many times have you done that throughout your life? Uh, dude, I love it. I what, I did it live when I was 12. That's yeah. me on set. And uh, it's one of my, you know, like little stupid pet tricks. So, all right. So I was going to ask you this later on, but I'll just ask this right now. Yeah. Pod. How often, when you come around these parts, are you referred to more as your character, Henry Rowan Gardner, or as your real-life name? You know, if I'm in Chicago or anywhere in Illinois, I am definitely Henry Rowan Gardner. Anywhere else, I'm Kevin from American Pie. Okay. All right. That makes sense, actually. Um, All right. So, obviously, you know, 30th anniversary of Rookie of the Year. Just being back at Wrigley Field for this year, how special is this moment, is this year for you to be here? And remember back three decades ago now. You know, it's it's amazing and it's uh, it feels, um, I don't know, I'm very, very grateful for this day and that the Cubs have embraced, you know, Rookie of the Year and Rookie of the Year Day, especially because I feel like I'm an honorary Chicagoan. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not from here, but a lot of people think that I am because of Rookie of the Year. And I wish that I was because I love Chicago. Yeah. Um, so this day means a lot. I don't really I don't really think about it in terms of like, oh, wow, I can't believe it's been 30 years. Um, what's so cool to me is that uh, all of my peers are showing because we're, you know, we're all around the same age. People that grew yeah. up with the film. I'm 42 and I've got two kids and my kids have seen the film and all my peers are showing the film to their kids and they're coming to like meet me at these events and things and they're going oh my kids love this movie and it's so cool that the movie is standing the test of time and that it's still being enjoyed by this next generation and that's amazing yeah and i mean i grew up on the movie too and like i think obviously what's so powerful is the cubs tie right is like you guys filmed it in the 90s and like the cubs hadn't won in however many years and then it wasn't until uh, you know 20 years later or whatever that they finally won the world series but like i feel like that stands the test of time too, right? Because it's you helping pitch or your character helping pitch the Cubs of the World Series. But even with that too, I mean, the bobblehead, part of the 30th anniversary, I guess how surreal is it to have a bobblehead of sort of of you, of Henry Rowan Gardner here? Well, you know, it's, it's me when I was 12. Uh, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's 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 very surreal um, and is, I like, again, I'm, I'm just very grateful and uh, and very happy to be here. And when you come around Wrigley and you've thrown out the first pitch several times, you've sang the stretch, what do you like most out of those? What do you get most nervous for? Or, or like, 
you know, throwing the, I guess, you know, you always do the Henry Rowan Gardner thing. I've seen you do that before, raise your right. arm. But, like, what do you like better out of those two? Well, um, for me, it's so nostalgic the moment I step foot on the field because it reminds me of uh, my first time, which we were just talking about before yeah. we started, uh, you know, recording, um, about how my first time on the field was in between this doubleheader, Cubs versus Cards, September 19th, 1992. We were three days away from even starting to film the movie. And so we went to the field, 35,000 Cubs fans. Danny Stern got on the mic and explained to the, uh, the whole crowd, um, you know, hey, we're here, we're filming this movie. It's gonna be this 12 year old kid who has this magic arm, uh, pitches a 100 mile an hour fastball and takes the Cubs to win the World Series. And 35,000 fans went nuts, of course. So we asked them all to chant Henry. And they did. And so as I walked to the mound, what you see and hear in the movie is what they did. And it was, that's like a core memory for me of filming in Chicago is walking to the mound and 35,000 Cubs fans chanting, Henry, Henry. And there's a rumor that they did that in game two of the game, right? Is yes. that true? I mean, you were there. <laughs> I was not at game two because okay, we okay, left. Okay. But I, I have talked to Cubs fans that were at both games. Uh, I mean, in fact, you know, Colin, who just gave me this ticket, which was the original schedule of the Cubs versus Cards June 17th. It got canceled or postponed. So that's why it became a doubleheader, as you know, in baseball. Um, I, well, I'm learning all this stuff. I don't know a lot about baseball. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yes, when the Cubs were down in the second game, all the Cubs fans started chanting Henry again. That's pretty incredible. I mean, was that your first time at Wrigley Field then? In yes. Between the doubleheader? What... You described it being a core memory, but like what emotions were going through you as, you know, 12 years old, like going out there and doing that? The, the, the best way I can describe it is if you remember the scene in the yeah. movie, I was not acting. That, that look on my face <laughs> was what I was feeling. Like you can't really control how you're feeling at 12 in that sort of environment, yeah. no matter what training you have. So yeah, that was like, what you see is what I was feeling. And same, the yeah, bat in the movie, you know, a 12 year old, that's exactly how you would have done, like in the back corner of the box and uh, against the pitcher. Or how would you have handled that if I, it were real and not, you know? I don't know that I necessarily would have handled that one. I mean, we were over, we shot that at New Comiskey Park. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I guess the New Comiskey Park had blue, <laughs> a blue wall, which is why it looked like Dodger Stadium. Um, I don't know, I don't know that what I would have done. I mean, <laughs> Outside of, uh, you know, getting walked, I would have probably just been struck out. <laughs> Facing a real major league pitcher. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I did in Little League after the movie anyway was just strike out. So, <laughs> um, you know, obviously, like being around, as we talked about, 2016, Cubs won the World Series. I know you were around here for the 2015 playoff run, too. But being around Wrigley in those years, like what was that like for you? And especially in 15, I, you know, I heard this story of you trying to come back to Wrigley because the Cubs were playing the Mets and the movie, obviously you guys beat the Mets, but like, what was that moment like? Can you take us be between all of that? Yeah, um, yeah, of course, when, when they were in the playoffs and it was like, you know, wait, did we just predict the future? <laughs> Is this, you know, back to the future and, you know, rookie of the year kind of coming together. Yeah. And, and so of course I, I came out here for, for that game and we unfortunately lost. Um, but then I remember the next year when we were in the World Series, I was like, well, I have to see the Cubs in the World Series at Wrigley. So I specifically flew out here just for that game. 
which we then lost again. And I started to feel like maybe I'm not a good luck <laughs> charm. And so I, uh, I was flying home the next day and I was checking the score on my phone and we won that game. So then I got very superstitious. So you can thank me for the Cubs win uh, because the next two games that they won, I specifically did not watch on TV but only checked on my phone because that's how they won that game five. So I did that. And like I would turn on the TV and then something bad would happen. I would turn it off and I would just go to my phone and then we won. So, you know. Were you following religiously on your phone? Yes. Like, like every at bat or every... Well, I was like refreshing. I was like, you know, like... Like yeah, the the Facebook movie, you know, hitting refresh, yeah. and, like wait for friends, yeah. I mean, how how much too? Like you you talked about just obviously not being from here initially, but like becoming a Cubs fan and through this whole experience, and then living and dying in the moment and feeling all of that. Like, how did your fandom grow? I guess over time, especially leading up to that game seven in sixteen. Um, I don't know that I was necessarily paying attention to like you know the fandom. I just I have a a special place in my heart for the Cubs. And I don't really follow sports. I'm not a, I'm not a, like a sports aficionado by any stretch. I'm more of a creative guy in art and music and acting. Um, but I love the Cubs. So, you know, I, I kind of, I'm always aware of what they're doing, especially thanks to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, how would, how do you think Henry Rowan Gartner would fare today in today's game? Obviously there are a lot of guys throwing hundred miles an hour, but how do you think, his character would fare if this movie were set in 2023 instead of 93. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a vastly different idea for sure. And and I I've been you know pining for the idea of a long-awaited sequel because my son is acting and he starred in the M Night movie Old and he's in my new TV show that comes out on Amazon on September 8th. Nice. Um, he plays Tom Arnold's son, uh, so that we go anyway. That's a, <laughs> you'll see it in September. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, I've been pining for the idea, but I haven't really thought about what it would be like as a twelve-year-old, you know, in today's day and age, because people say that we couldn't even make American Pie in uh, in today's times versus what it was like in '99. So I don't know. I leave that to the writers. I'm an actor. I I say the lines on the page. I don't have to come up with the concepts that work for our time frame. So I have no idea, except for like maybe the social media aspect I think would play a part of it, which we clearly didn't have that in 93. <laughs> clearly, yeah. Yeah. Um, when you are back here though, I mean, what are the interactions with fans like? Like, are they coming up to you? They wanting to take photos and, and what is it like seeing fans maybe with a Rowan Gardner jersey? Cause we've seen a few, you know, around Wrigley, even on days that you're not here as well, but like, what is that like? And what are the interactions with fans like? It's, it's really great actually. Uh, I was just at Sluggers since the, the rain delay today. I went over to Sluggers, which I'm doing like a emo night, emo social after the game. Nice. Um, and everyone's really respectful, which I, I really like, I appreciate about Chicago Cubs fans. Like people want to get a picture, but they don't want to like bother me. And I'm always down because I'm, look, it, it, I, I'm very, very grateful that anyone even wants to take a picture with me. So I'm always down to, uh, you know, make someone's day and, and take a photo. So, but I think it's very, very sweet that people are like, hey, we don't want to bug you. You know, there's not like uh, an expectation on either side from me or them. So it's, it's a great experience. Well, yeah, that's great, Thomas. Thank you so much for stopping by and just telling us a little bit more about the, the Rookie of the Year pastime here. Right on. Thank you so much for having me. That was a great chat by, by Tony with Thomas C. and Nicholas, star of Rookie of the Year. I got to be honest, Taylor, I was super young the last time I saw it. Like, I vaguely remember it. I was probably, like, seven or eight years old. Like, I just remember him, like, rolling the ball up. I do remember that. I remember him throwing it. But 
outside of that, I need to go back and watch it because it, it is such a Cubs iconic movie. But it's just been so long for me. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of baseball movies that I feel like get talked about day in and day out that I need to refresh my yeah. memory on. I think Bull Durham also at the top yeah. of the list yeah, for yeah. me that I need to rewatch because I watched that a really long time ago. I'll tell you the one I probably watch the most frequently is Sandlot. Okay. And I it's a classic. So classic, so good. Um, but maybe we can have a big uh, rookie of the year watch party. I mean, I think I think it's necessary after because I, w- I mean we can't have them. We can't have him on the podcast and then yes. act like we we've seen we it know a million it, but times. We really don't know. Yeah, no. So I gotta go. My favorite movie is Feel the Dreams. I think that's a that's a good one. Yeah, Moneyball two. Those are two of Moneyball's my favorite. Moneyball is a classic. Moneyball is really yeah, really good. good. Our friend Carlos Pena is featured in a little bit. Uh, Our he's, boy. A, he's a player. Um, that really really great chat with him. Really great chat with you, Taylor. Thank you for stopping by the Cubs Weekly Podcast and, and joining us. Happy to be a guest, Andy. Whatever you need me. I appreciate it, Taylor. <laughs> Thank you so much. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Taylor, I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in.